Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Broadband Bunch. I'm Joe Coldabella, and we are at Calis Connections 2022 at the Wynn Resort in Las Vegas, Nevada. Joining me is the VP of Commercial Operations and the Chief Marketing Officer for Calix, Matt Collins. Matt, welcome to the Broadband Bunch. Thank you very much. Excited to be here. Yeah, we are as well. You know, just the initial sort of uh, rush of folks. It's, it seems like it's a great event. But before we d- dig into all that stuff, yep. I'd love it if you could just sort of give um, us a little bit of background about yourself in terms of your, your broadband journey. Sure. Um, Officially, my broadband journey is relatively recently, only about five and a half years since I joined Calix. However, um, out of business school, I was a consultant at McKinsey & Company uh, in the technology practice, which of course included telecom. And I worked with firms on their go-to-market strategy, market entry strategy. Um, and then I spent about 13 years at IBM. Okay. Uh, across different businesses, all technology-based. Certainly telecom was an important sector for us. Um, but I was involved in helping to run part of the software business, the hardware business, services, saw the full gamut. Um, and really what brought me to Calix was that I wanted to be a part of an organization that was smaller and more nimble. Now, compared to IBM, everyone's smaller and more nimble. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, but I really loved the vision that Carl and the leadership team had for a company that would use the technology and the solutions that they were developing to really change fundamentally the way that a broadband service operates and really have an impact on society, right? So the big story for Calix is not so much what we're doing, but what our customers are doing with that technology. They are primarily serving um, suburban and rural communities, and they every day are closing the digital digital divide. They, and you'll hear about this at the conference, they're doing things like completely transforming the economic landscape. They're bringing world-class service to communities that aren't New York City or Miami or Las Vegas. Um, And it's a real partnership. And so when I saw the vision that Carl had, you know, it was not just a technology company, but really someone who's going to partner with a service provider to help them succeed and help their communities succeed. And since I've been here, that's become even more critical, right? Everyone knows what's happened with the pandemic, right? And um, what some of our customers have done to make sure their communities stayed operational, uh, people could work from home, kids could do school remotely is, is really... Um, it's been inspiring. And, um, and now, even more people understand how essential what it is our customers are doing and what we help them do. So I came to Calix because of the vision of what our society needed and Calix's vision to kind of be a, help, a provider to help make that happen. No, it, it, it's kind of remarkable. We are truly at an inflection point mm-hmm. where I think that the, the, the technology is, is at a point where um, the digital economy is, is, a real, is a real thing. And um, just in terms of, of a parallel, how vital it is. And it's, it's really important for, for us to, to, to close that digital divide um, for everybody. So I totally yeah. agree with you. Yeah. I mean, really, we talk about it as becoming the fourth utility. Absolutely. Right? Electricity, heat, water, broadband. I don't know about you, but I have three daughters, and I think if I said I can turn the water off for three days or I can turn <laughs> the broadband off for three days, which would you prefer, right? So to your point, it's become a fundamental part of their life. Now, 
What's really interesting, though, is not really the broadband, but what you can do with it. 100%. And that, that's what Calyx is all about. So um, we're at this event here, and um, you know, one of the things that I've been asking everybody is that um, you guys created a theme here. It's, it's Be the Giant. And mm -hmm. I think that it's it's something different for everyone. Mm -hmm. And I would love for you to actually sort of divide it into two ways. Like in terms of for Calyx, what you sort of the envision the vision yep. is for Be the Giant as well as for, for the providers that you're working sure. with. Well it actually um, we explicitly are not the giant. Okay. It's really our customers and um, and I love the theme. We love the theme because it's a bit counterintuitive. Um, we have about sixteen hundred customers. The vast majority of them are regional service providers um, who have somewhere in the area of a few thousand up to a few hundred thousand subscribers. Um, they are not the, the traditional giants, right? So when people think about giants in our industry, they typically think about Comcast or Charter or an AT&T or maybe one of the consumer giants like Amazon or Google who are trying to get into the industry. Um, but being a giant is less about the size of your organization. It's about the impact that you're having on your community and on your subscribers. And so you could think of Be the Giant as an exhortation, right? As a, an encouragement. We have some customers who are doing amazing things. They've literally transformed the economic landscape of their community and reinvigorated areas that had hit hard times or didn't have world-class service. And the reality is for that community, even a small service provider with 150 employees and 10, 15, 20,000 subscribers can be a giant for them. And at the end of the day, that's what being a giant is, is committing to bring world-class service, not just because you're gonna make a lot of money, but because you care about the community. And when a broadband service provider does that for a community, they put a fiber network in. They're creating an infrastructure that that community actually controls. It's not some big corporation where the CEO's shooting you know, rockets into space or building big yachts in Amsterdam. It's literally someone who's on the local you know, civic organizations who cares about the community and gives them control over an essential service as we just talked about. Yeah, no. Uh, that's uh, I love that's well said because yeah, ultimately at the end of the day it's like you're they're providing um, almost a playground mm -hmm. for these folks to sort of um, build their future where that is we don't know but it's 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 really exciting it is it is and you know I'll I'll talk about a couple of our announcements if that makes sense but I wanted to talk about one in particular because um, it speaks specifically to that so we're going to be announcing Calix Smart Town. Um, and this is more than just a community Wi-Fi initiative. This is about giving the service provider amazing technology, Wi-Fi 6E, that they can put all around town and create a wireless mesh so that their subscribers can roam around town. So when they go to a soccer game or a river fest, they're going to have unbelievable broadband instead of sitting there going, oh, I can't use my, my broadband. But when you think about the implications of that, it extends far beyond that. They can create a network around town for first responders, right? Who, if they want to access the internet, but they don't want to pay exorbitant rates for, you know, a dedicated um, cellular channel from a big player, they can get it from their local broadband service providers. They can enable things like Edge Room, 
So EduRome is a service that started internationally in universities, and it's built for students so they can use it. It has all kinds of great policies around it. But with Smart Town, they can take that you know, university-level service and bring it down to the high school level or to, to a grade school. And they can register every student in town. So when that child needs to get their homework done and they, don't ha they can't afford broadband at home, they don't actually have to go sit outside the McDonald in their mother's car to do their homework. Right? They can actually get a fantastic service that's pumped all around town, specifically through an SSID that's secure, that's protected. And so that announcement really opens up a whole new area for these service providers to do things that no one else is really doing. And if anyone's doing it, it's very large companies who are doing it at a stadium because they can make a lot of money. And, you know, I, I think that's great because what you're doing is also, it's about opportunity, right? Yes. So, yep. um, yeah, I would love it if you could sort of talk about, you know, some of the different things as well in terms of uh, the speakers that you have on yep. stage as well. Absolutely. So I'll start with Smart Town. So Brad Moline, who is the um, president of Allo, they're a communication service provider uh, serving uh, communities in Nebraska, Colorado, and Arizona. Um, and he is incredibly focused on the vision that I just described. You know, enabling a second tier city, a relatively small town, to have world-class service that can transform the community. And Brad actually has been a part of really helping us, he and his team, co-develop this. We're very focused on everything we do. We wanna build it with customers. And he's a real visionary in the industry He's built an amazing team, but he also has a great vision. And in fact, the idea for Smart Town, in many ways, came from Brad, who came and said, look, this is what I want to be able to do. And you're my primary technology provider, my partner. Um, I want to work with you to build something that I can bring to a civic organization, a municipality, to a school. Um, and so Brad's going to share his vision on what he sees in the future in the gigabit society and how what he's going to be doing with Smart Town, and he's already started doing it, is going to lead to that. Um, we also have um, Jimmy Todd. He's the CEO of Nextech, um, and they're a service provider that's uh, based in Kansas, but they actually have a managed IT service that stretches everywhere from Alaska down to Puerto Rico. And um, they are a leading managed IT provider for medium-sized and larger enterprises. So think of a hospital or a bank. His problem has always been, you know, I don't have a solution for the small business, the mom and pop, right? And there are, you know, almost 30 million small businesses in North America with less than 20 employees. And what don't they have? They don't have their own IT staff. Right. Right. Absolutely. And, and and they want but they want to be able to set up their retail store or their restaurant so that there's there's it's a necessity now. Right? It's a necessity. And, and they want to be able to have a dedicated network for their guests and another one for their employees. And then a third one that they can run their you know point of sale on and their administration. They want to have a great mobile app experience. They want security firewall. They want content control so that you know people can't come into their shop and get on bad sites. They want to be able to set policy. They want to have cellular backup, right? These all sound like really important things if you're running a business because if your broadband went down and you couldn't run your point of sale, that's not good. 
The problem is the solutions that exist today are largely bespoke for business, or they're very expensive because they're built for the profitable market, the most profitable market, which is big business. So he's been working with us on another announcement we're going to make, which is Smart Biz, which is a business solution that's actually built specifically for that small business. Um, and it brings all of that capability in a package that's incredibly easy for his team to manage. Because here's the secret. We actually built it on top of the residential platform that's already being used by his team to serve tens of thousands of residents. Oh, that's great. So they have the same cloud solutions to manage it, to get the insights, to run operations, the same workflows. Now, instead of putting it in your home, they're gonna put it in your small business. And to his team, it looks pretty much the same as what's in your home. So it's incredibly scalable because it's going from the residential to the small business versus taking an overbuilt, really expensive enterprise solution that's built for a big business and trying to kind of shrink it down. That never works. So he saw this huge market opportunity and that's what we started talking to him about. So that's what we built. That's, that's great because I, I, one of the things or themes that I've been definitely focusing on the last few weeks is that we're definitely not in a, in a one-size-fits-all world. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those things where exactly, you're exactly right. If, 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 uh, if, it's, if you've got one IT person, then you don't need the, the system. Yep. But if it's one of those things where if you're the, the local coffee, coffee shop on the corner and you want to provide all these things for your guests mm -hmm. to enhance their experience to build your business, you're going to need something yep. like this. So uh, I'll talk about another one of our speakers, uh, Gary Johnson. He's the CEO of Paul Bunyan. Uh, they're in Minnesota. And um, they're very much, um, they're a cooperative. Pri they serve people who aren't in their cooperative, but they're primi primarily cooperative. And um, it's a really interesting story. So he's a fairly large group. Um, about 10 years ago, they rolled their own solution for IOT devices and connected cameras, um, and let's just say it didn't work real well. Well, I was going to say 10 years ago might have been a little yeah. bit ahead of the... Uh... A little bit ahead of the time, but they still have it. Okay. But here's the problem. He had to roll it himself. He had to create it himself. That means essentially you are the technology creator from, because it has to get integrated into their back office, it has to get integrated to their operational tools, um, they have to upgrade it, they have to update the software. What we're going to be announcing is something we've talked to him about for years is we're going to be putting on top of our subscriber platform, the Revenue Edge, um, Arlo Security. So we've already launched Arlo Secure, which is their connected camera solution. And the beauty of it is this, because it's integrated into our platform, someone like Gary and team can start to deploy this in a matter of days. It doesn't take 12 months to go do all the software integration. Every time the core technology manufacturer updates their software, you don't have to go then you know, figure out how to do that upgrade. And um, it's an amazing modern solution. And he's going to roll that out. And what we're announcing with Gary is we're going to take the next step and actually go to full managed home security, which is a huge opportunity for a service provider why? Because it's an incredibly sticky service. The sure. average time that someone um, owns a security system is seven years. 
the average time that an American spends in any given location living is seven and a half years. Essentially, you put it in, it stays there forever, right? At least as long as you live in the home. Um, but what's really cool about it is it's also, it, the keypad's also a matter engine, which is a big IoT protocol. So Gary will be able to bring in other IoT devices and offer a security solution, an IoT solution, connected cameras, and the work he has to do to figure out how to do that is close to zero because that's really the promise of our platform. It's a software platform. It's a cloud platform. It has all the management tools. We do that integration once, and thousands of service providers can deploy the solution without having to do the integration or the maintenance. We, we update the software. We make sure it's working. It shows up in our mobile app that Gary takes and brands, Paul Bunyan, and he's got a great mobile app experience without having to go build a mobile app. Right. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the, the bugaboo with software, right? Yep. Is especially if, if you're a small company, even the development is, is uh, sometimes can take quite a while for yes. it to get uh, produced. So, so just so I understand this, now are these, uh, are these sort of pilot programs that, that once they are, or they're going to be what everyone can go on? Everyone to can go on. So, so some are announcements and some are launches. Um, so Smart Town, we're launching. Okay. Meaning it's available. Um, and, you know, what we do when we roll out a new product like that is we have an early adopter program. So we, before we announce it, we line up, you know, who are the people in the industry who are interested. We bring them in. We get them prepared. And then they become the first set that rolls out. But anyone who says, hey, that sounds good for me, they can give us a call or talk to one of our sales reps. And we'll get them signed up and enabled. Um, Smart Biz is going to be rolling out in the first quarter, generally available. Okay. So we are running customer programs. Um, we're working with Jimmy Todd's team at Next Step as an example, but it'll become generally available in the first quarter. The Arlo security offering, that will be available around mid-year next year, although part of it's already in market, the Arlo Secure Connected Cameras. So we have lots of customers who are using that and this is the next step in the evolution in that solution. We have other announcements and we have other launches. Perhaps the other biggest launch is we're uh, uh, announcing um, our Marketing Cloud Plus, uh, which will be available immediately. And uh, that's a product that we've had in market for marketers so they could understand their subscriber experience and then make them offers based on what's happening in their home, what, well, how's the service working, do they want to upgrade, they want to add something to it like home network security. Um, that product, when we say plus, we're now actually adding to it demographic data, uh, firmographic data, psychographic data that covers 133 million households in the United States that will be integrated in so they can enrich their data set with that information and not only understand what's happening with their, their subscribers that they could use to market to them, but they can also look at people who aren't customers of theirs today and have a lot of really valuable information to see who might benefit from a service, and they can do data-driven marketing. Um, and we're really excited about that solution. Um, it's really unique in our industry, and it's going to get even better, and we're launching that tomorrow. Could, could you expand on that? Because for, you know, I'm sure the listeners know, but I'm just fascinated mm -hmm. with data and where data is going in the sure. next... Uh, you know, in the next 10 years, I just think it's, it's you know, they, you know the, the saying is, the trite saying is data is the new oil. Yes. 
but um, I don't. I think it's great if you can whatever you can do to make yep. the the end users. Um, you want to make it relevant to them, exactly. right? And that's what data does, right? It almost creates segments of one. So if I were to look at your household without access to that information, what would I know about you? He's on a hundred meg plan. Do I know anything about how that meets your needs? No. You've signed up for the service. You've paid me. I'm providing it. But with Marketing Cloud, we essentially liberate that data and serve it up to the marketer so they can do things like this. I can look at you and say, oh, I noticed that you're having service issues. At the same time that you're having service issues, you're on a VPN, you're using Office 365, and you're using Zoom. You're probably working from home. So I can offer you, hey, would you like to upgrade to the work from home package so that when your kids come home from school and start streaming, your Zoom meeting doesn't go down, right? right? Or I can look in your home and say, oh, you've got 30 connected devices. None of them's a connected camera. None of them's a security product. You obviously like connected devices. You got 30 of them. Maybe you'd be interested in upgrading your service by adding this because it's going to add security to your home and to your life. Now when I talk to you, I can actually talk to you about something that's relevant. Another one. Based on what's being used in your home, looks like you have children. We have a great parental controls software offering as part of the service. Would you like that? so that you can then control the content that's available to your kids. If it didn't look like you had any kids, let's say you were you know, an empty nester, you might look at that and say, well, why are you calling me, right? And that spend that I put into the marketing to get to you, that energy has been wasted. Now you can do it with intelligence, and that's the power of data. And the beauty of the platform is, you know, these are the kinds of things that typically very large organizations can, can do for various other reasons. But what's really interesting here is we're actually helping the broadband service provider make sense of their data, right? You're their customer. You're already purchasing a, a service from them. But without it, they're kind of running blind. So we do it, you know, really to help them be much more effective in providing subscriber service. No, that's great because from what I understand is like most data is irrelevant, but the, mm -hmm. but the nuggets that come out are, yes. really, are really beneficial. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that's sort of like, it sounds like that's what you guys are, are sort of trying to do is, is like, let's take out the, the, the diamonds and put them to the side and then yep. everything else can just move along. Absolutely. We're trying to help them find relevant information. Right. And so in working with them for years, you start to understand patterns. Right. That's how you separate, you know, the, the, the noise from the signal. Um, and there are certain kinds of experiences that indicate things that are useful to know, like the two that I just described. And so we make it easy for them to identify those things, segment their their customer base and then you know, make relevant offerings to offers to improve the service that, frankly, the customer's paying for. And they almost, you would expect it, right? Hey, you're my service provider. You should understand me. You should, you know, you shouldn't be offering me a mesh extension if I live in, you know, a 1,000 square foot apartment, right? That's, that's right. irrelevant, right? You want to you wanna charge me $100 for another, another system, right? So it creates uh, an intelligent dialogue that's relevant, and it, it allows them to show the subscriber that they actually care about their experience. Right, it's, it's the proper sort of like touch on the elbow, say, hey, listen, this is something that you might be interested in. Yep. Whereas if like, right, it, you know, if, it, if, if you're a family that is, 
that doesn't that doesn't need it and then you keep on getting sort of getting touched yeah. on it's like uh you you lose patience with the exactly people. i don't have kids <laughs> right so i don't uh, need disney and plus yes exactly. and with the announcement that we're making you know this actually extends the ability to get intelligence for potential subscribers that aren't in your network today and that's really important because there's a lot of investment coming into our industry and you may have heard about you know the billions of dollars that are in the federal program um, for bead there's a program called ardoff uh, because the government recognizes that you know look it's it's really important that we invest in enabling some of these other communities that aren't the big cities so they're funding some of that development and what the service providers are doing is they're starting to look to adjacent communities and say maybe i should build here well now i have information and intelligence to understand the people in those markets and how I might approach them, right? And I can prioritize what I'm doing. So we think it's a really fundamental announcement for our community and we're really excited to see them get value out of it. No, it's it's totally true. Uh, I was talking with, with Martha earlier mm -hmm. and we were talking about how this is one of like the, the largest initiatives. You know, we did the electrification of the rural networks, yep. um, the highway system. Uh, I think this is sort of like the, the next stroke of the pen. Yes. So, yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing. Nearly 50% of our customers are primarily not profit focused. What does that mean? They're electric cooperatives who started building electricity into rural communities in the 1930s. They're telephone cooperatives who maybe even before that started bringing telephone service to some place that, you know, Ma Bell didn't want to go because it wasn't as profitable. Um, uh, there are municipalities. We have dozens of municipalities who've decided that, hey, you know, we've gotten really terrible service from the big service provider who put DSL in here 25 years ago. No one wants to bring that kind of, you know, great fiber service to our neighborhood, to our town. So I'm going to go ahead and do it. So the municipality actually is forming a broadband company or partnering with an existing broadband service provider to say, we're going to bring great fiber service. Uh, and it's really wonderful to see because it kind of plays back to the comments that I made before about the communities themselves actually standing up. And of our 50% of our customers who are for profit, many of them are family-owned businesses, right? That were started 30, 40 years ago. And, um, you know, we certainly have lots of, you know, great companies who have real profit incentive and all of that. But having that mix in our customer base really makes you focus on helping the service provider live out their full mission versus just selling them technology. No, that's great. And I, I, um, we definitely interview utilities and, um, and cooperatives, and they do have sort of a noble mission because I think you're exactly right. You know, I, that uh, the, there's the unserved or the underserved. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I always say it, my biggest fear is that the digital divide will not shrink, but it'll grow because mm -hmm. it's one of those things where um, you know, those terabit cities, there's all these amazing things that are yep. coming down the pike. And it's one of those things where you don't want people to be shut out because, yes. um, you know, they don't have that opportunity. Well, then you should follow this community very closely because when I look through the crystal ball, I don't see that happening. Here's why. Because of the commitment of the kinds of people who are here with us at Connections today. They are largely, not entirely, but largely 
smaller service providers who are very community focused. And if you go look at what they're doing, they are world-class networks. So if you look at the PC mag ratings for the most powerful networks in the United States, invariably, the majority of them are Calix customers. And they're, te- they're typically not really big. They might have 50,000, 80,000 subscribers, maybe 100. Uh, they're small companies doing amazing things. Uh, one of our customers in Texas, GVTC, um, they're a, a, a medium-sized cooperative organization. Um, they were rated by Netflix as having the most powerful network in North America. Really? Wow. Wow. Right? So, ironically, they're not in New York City. They're not in Miami. They're not in these big NFL cities, but they're building world-class solutions. And part of the reason they can afford to do this is because they have a very long view. I had a customer who ran an organization, and someone said, wow, you're building fiber into that area. Aren't you worried about your return on investment? I mean, how can you really justify that? And he said, well, it depends. If you're looking for a return in five years, it doesn't make sense. If you're thinking 30 years, you can do a lot of things. So you have to think differently to accomplish that. And the good news is a lot of our customers are thinking that way. And you don't have to be a giant from a size organization to do giant things. That's really the theme of the conference. Awesome. Uh, Matt, this has been a spectacular uh, conversation. So if, if someone would like to, to learn more and, and learn about becoming a giant, where can they go for, for more information? They can visit our website, calix.com. Um, that should be people easy for people to remember, <laughs> C-A-L-I-X.com. Uh, we've got a lot of great content there. They can certainly reach out to members of our team. We also have an interesting um, digital experience called BlastWiFi.com. So that's B-L-A-S-T-Wi-Fi.com. And that's actually something we've built that's actually intended more for the consumer, not because we sell to the consumer. We don't. We sell to businesses, to service providers. But it's really meant to be informational for our customers to leverage with their subscriber, the consumer. But that's another place where someone can go to see more about our technology and our solutions. I think those are two great places to start. And if they want to learn more, they can reach out to a member of the Calix team. Awesome. Well, um, I would love it if, if, we, if we're back here next year, sit down again and sort of just get an update because good, great stuff going on. Awesome. And I certainly hope you join us again, and I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you so much. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the Broadband Bunch. Until next time, we'll see you later.